grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and who is to come, Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's catching the game-winning touchdown pass. It's placing your hands on the Nationals trophy. It's feeling the Congressional Medal of Honor pinned on your dress uniform. It's putting in the hard work for 18 years of raising that kid to have them as valedictorian thank you in a speech at graduation in front of thousands of people. You know what it feels like, but it's hard to define. It's hard to describe. There are many words for it, pride, value, legacy, but let's call it glory. Glory is something we look for, we, strive, we strive for, we aspire to. You know what, you, what it feels like. But just like going starving or dehydrated can leave you obsessed with food and water, going glory starved, starved for the recognition you think you deserve, can leave you obsessed over getting glory, can force you to make plans to achieve, and, and hopefully you daydream that people will recognize that you are great. We all aspire to greatness, to some glory. Are you tired, though? Are you tired of chasing glory in this life? Are, have you committed to some goals, to some self-improvement objectives, but you're tired of not reaching them? You're tired of failing? Are you giving up on the pursuit of glory? If you are, then we have some very good news for you this morning. Jesus is here to hand you glory, prepackaged and ready to go. It just doesn't look like the same glory you see in the world. Because you look at Jesus and the way that he lived, the way that he conducted his life, he did not seem for a while to be a very glorious person. By our standards, by today's standards, he was homeless. He had no place to, to lay his head at night. He had no permanent residence. He traveled. By his day's standards, he was a traveling preacher, a vagabond rabbi, a, a, a guru that people would like to listen to. Jesus did not enjoy a lot of fame in his day during his ministry, but that's not to say that people didn't love him. Lots of people loved Jesus. It's just that those people were tax collectors and prostitutes. Those people were the people of society whose opinion no one cared about. No one with clout, no one who was an influencer, no one that mattered in society was asking the prostitutes and tax collectors, what do you think of this Jesus guy? The people with status in his culture either didn't pay Jesus much mind, by and large, or some of them even hated his guts and everything that he stood for. Jesus not enjoying that much glory it seems. And so to be a disciple of Jesus was to go to a lot of the same places Jesus went, was to talk with a lot of the same people Jesus talked to, and was to endure a lot of the same hardships that Jesus endured, being hated just for being associated with them. We could understand if the disciples were a little bit glory-starved. If we put ourselves into the disciples' sandals, maybe they're wondering when following this guy is finally going to pan out. 
when they're finally going to get some returns on their investment, when they're finally going to see that following Jesus brings, makes their life better and not worse. Is that where you're at this morning? You've been following Jesus for a while or a little bit. You've been spending a lot of time pursuing Jesus, listening to Jesus. But are you wondering when it's finally going to pan out? When you're finally going to be able to demonstrate that your life is better, more glorious, more worthy of recognition than if you didn't follow Jesus? If that's you, and if that were the disciples, then imagine how it must have felt to experience what Peter, John, and James experienced at that first transfiguration. They didn't think it was going to happen. They had no clue that this amazing thing was going to happen. Jesus said, let's go up to the mountain. I want to pray. This happened quite a bit. Jesus was a fan of finding private time to go and pray. And so he's up there, he's praying. Peter, John, and James, his inner circle, his close friends of the disciples, they're sitting there keeping watch. Notice that they are not praying with him or praying on their own. They're fighting off sleep. They can't keep their eyes open. Jesus was probably praying for quite a while. God the Son praying to God the Father. But then when it happens, it is impossible to miss. They look at Jesus, and his face is different. It's bright. It's like a shining star. His clothes shine like a flash of lightning. Now we're talking, Peter, John, and James say. Now this is the Jesus we want to see. This is the amazing, glorious, son of God kind of Jesus. Yes, let's keep this going. And who shows up to the party but Moses and Elijah? Moses, God's chosen leader of Israel, who brought them out of Egypt throughout the wilderness up to the doorstep of the promised land who very clearly had God's word, who was able to do amazing things and show, show the people of Israel and the whole world that he was God's chosen leader. And then Elijah, one of the most important, one of the most powerful prophets of God, sent to Israel at a very troubling time, who himself was able to do miracle after miracle, to preach, to, to point people to God. If you were picking your all-star team, of Old Testament celebrities, you would pick Moses and Elijah, arguably the two most important people of the Old Testament. And here they are, talking with Jesus. This is so cool. Peter, John, and James are blown away by this experience. Finally, it's worth it. But they're forgetting something, something very important. Peter, as he sees Moses and Elijah leaving, he says, Jesus, we got to stay here. Jesus, it's good for us to be here. Let me build three tents. Let's hang out even just for a couple minutes or a day or two. Let's stay here on this mountaintop. This is obviously what needs to happen, Peter says. Scripture says he doesn't know what he's saying, but he's exposing what his heart really wanted, and he's exposing for us what our hearts want. You guys know what it's like when someone wants to hang on to glory so long that it becomes a little awkward. When a high school varsity quarterback is bragging about his reception record, his teammates probably think, yeah, that's pretty cool, but fast forward to when he's 40, still talking about his high school reception record, people aren't as impressed. 
young lady makes the lead role in every play of her school, does an amazing job, has her 15 minutes of fame with the spotlight on her, doing amazingly. People pour into the auditorium to see her shows. 20 years later, people aren't as impressed when she can still recite her lines. When we try too hard to hang on to our own personal glory, things can get awkward, and things got awkward for Peter because he didn't know what he was saying. But we understand exactly where he was at. In this world where we feel like we're treated as so small, as so insignificant, and following Jesus doesn't seem to really make a difference in our life, then we start to wonder, is it worth it? All the times that you've shown up for church, is it worth it? Is it worth it to keep on praying, to keep on reading your Bible when it doesn't seem to make a glorious difference compared to everyone else? If you were on that mountain of transfiguration, wouldn't you want to hang on to that moment too? But before we can take that thought even a step further, we need to remember how this lesson begins. Eight days after Jesus said this. And the this was what Jesus said to his disciples just a week before these events. He told his disciples, I need to go to Jerusalem. I need to be persecuted. I need to suffer. I, I need to die and I need to rise. And if you're going to be ashamed of this, Jesus says to his disciples and to us, I'll be ashamed of you when I come back. If you're going to deny me because of the way that I die, then I will deny you, Jesus says. But the disciples weren't listening because they were too fixated on their own desires for glory. Let's not be so fixated on our desires for personal glory that we don't hear what Jesus is saying. Jesus has to go down from that mountain. The transfiguration has to be but a brief episode in Jesus' work as your Savior because there's no glory without Jerusalem. There's no glory, there's no amazing God's glory without Jesus going down to that cross, without Jesus being tortured and abused and killed. There is no glory if that doesn't happen. If Jesus doesn't go to that cross, then the transfiguration is just a cool light show for a couple minutes. And to remind us of this fact, and to interrupt Peter's line of thought, God the Father steps in and corrects all of us. He says, this, this is my son, whom I have chosen. I have designated him for a very specific mission, a very specific task. Listen to him. Jesus is going to go down to Jerusalem. But it's not going to be a different Jesus. The Jesus that you see shining bright, his face glowing like a star, that face is not going to be a different face when it is covered in blood and tears and dirt. The body that you see glowing like a flash of lightning, that's not going to be a different body when it is pierced and hung on a cross. And the glory that you see on transfiguration when you see him shining like a star, sitting with Moses and Elijah, that's not going to be a different glory when Jesus is hanging on a cross for you. Because what matters more? The medal or the acts of valor that the soldier did to earn that medal? What matters more? 
the Nationals trophy that the team takes home or the very hard work that they all put in all season long? What matters more, the recognition or the action itself? Jesus puts God's glory into action. You can tell what kind of person someone is by what they do. Look at what Jesus does and see his glory. He gives up his life for you. He goes to a cross for you. He is tried as a criminal, though he did absolutely nothing wrong, but he doesn't lift up a word in protest. He doesn't do a thing to stop them from crucifying him. Why? Because it's for you. That's his glory, his innocent sacrifice for you so that you could have his glory. Yes, Jesus promises you a future glory. Heaven instead of hell. Life eternal with God the Father instead of a life separated from God's love and presence. Yes, Jesus came in the past as our glorious Savior, but he is glory in action now, today, in these days. And we know that it doesn't look the same as worldly glory. We don't see a lot of glory on the news across the world in this war-torn situation with anger and strife and conflict everywhere we see, with people hating each other, making fun of each other, gossiping about each other, relationships constantly in strife, everyone struggling. Where's the glory, we might be tempted to ask. But Jesus' glory is with you. God's glory is in action for you. It just feels different. It feels different than catching that game-winning touchdown pass. It feels different than that medal hung on your shirt. It feels different than that thank you that you get for actually helping someone out. This is what it feels like. It feels like a hurting, guilty, scared soul, such as yours and mine, finding out that there is forgiveness for free, that there is love given through Christ, that there is hope in Jesus. It feels like water on your head in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Spirit in your heart, converting you, changing you, transfiguring you into a glorious citizen of God's kingdom, into a glorious child of God himself. It feels like bread and wine in your mouth, not anything amazing to look at, but what's happening is receiving Jesus' body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins and the strengthening of your faith. That's Jesus' glory in action. Jesus' glory looks like someone who is struggling against sin, someone who is struggling to achieve their own glory, finding out that you don't have to achieve your own glory. You have Jesus' perfection wrapped around you. You have God's undivided attention and care. You rest in his very capable hands, and you always will. So take God the Father's advice. See this Jesus, whether he's on the mountain of transfiguration or on the cross or walking out of that empty tomb, and understand that's God's son whom God has chosen to be your savior. And react the way God the Father tells us to react. Listen to him. When he says your sins are forgiven, 
but your heart protests, no, Jesus, I'm too much of a sinner, I'm too guilty, listen to him, you are forgiven. When he says, today you will be with me in paradise, you are going to join me in heaven, if you're not sure if that can be true, listen to him. When your Savior tells you of his love and his promise and his presence and his protection, listen to him. Now you know who this guy is. He's God's one and only son. Come to save you. He is God's glory in action. You've seen it. Amen.